Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Palak Jaiswal. The Tribune recently reported on the problems with getting utilities to families on the Navajo Nation that don't have them. Reporter Alistair Lee Bitsoy talks about the structural barriers to get electricity to the whole nation. Alistair, thank you for talking with us about utilities on the Navajo Nation. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, on the podcast today. How many families on the Navajo Nation don't have electricity right now? Thousands of families. I know the local tribal utility said there's an estimate of 14,000 families that need basic electricity. And again, that's just their estimate of how many homes need electricity, at least legally they're approved. They have a home site so they can get connected to the grid or get water. But I feel like that number is greater just from my years of reporting. What is life like when you don't have electricity and you don't have water? How do these people get water? What do they do for refrigeration or lights or the internet for school or work? Um, In my interviews with the sources in Clark Village, they were able to be creative because it's like survive. You have to survive in ways that no other maybe American or Utah may even experience. They have to haul water. There's only one regulated well in the community of El Jato, Monument Valley, Utah. And sometimes they they have to wait an hour and a half to get water for drinking or for showering or bathing or washing dishes. They have to rely in the cold winter, like maybe put a refrigerator outside or something to keep the food cold as a freezer during the colder months. And then in the summer months, I mean, it gets hot. So you have to be creative. And I think that's where the gener- the reliance on generators to help power like refrigerators. So the Navajo Nation has $1 billion from Biden's infrastructure bill. That seems like it would be enough money to connect most of these families on the Navajo Nation, maybe all of the families on the Navajo Nation what is keeping the money from actually building the power lines or hooking up the water? Utilities is a story for years. Some of the barriers to prevent electricity connection to Navajo Nation citizens is red tape, federal red tape, the tribal politics, as well as the the need to get legally approved through the various systems that exist to have a legally deeded, um, what they call a home site. So you're referring to these people, they have houses, they live on the Navajo Nation, but maybe it's not an official house. It hasn't been officially deeded. And so because of that, they aren't eligible for hookup. Yeah, you would think on face value that a home is built in the Navajo Nation and it needs water and electricity, but there are legal frameworks that exist that require official deeded legality um, to be connected to the grid. Homes like those in Clark Village in Aljato, Monument Valley, Utah, they're not necessarily withdrawn, even though they have a home. And so that creates barriers or issues of connectivity. And in this case of the families in Clark Village, they desperately need electricity. Okay, Alistair, thank you so much for talking. Thank you. Thanks, Alistair. Next, my Culture Desk colleague, Utah Eats reporter Stephanie Russell, gives us an update after attending this month's DABC meeting. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So can you tell us what happened at the DABC meeting today? 
Yeah, well, a lot. I won't go over all of it. I'll just go over the high points. Um, the the big news is that they had two licenses to give out this month, and one of them went to Roja Brewing Project. And so Roja is a little bit different. That so Rob Phillips is one of the co-owners, and he um he's been at these meetings since January when I started to go, and he's very to the point, polite. He's up at the podium. Sometimes people get a little um intense up there because they're losing money and time as they wait for their bar licenses. And he's always been really measured and calm. And so he, um, Roja has been operating under a tavern license, which means you can only serve beer. And so today they got one of those super coveted bar licenses, which is like full beer, liquor, the whole shooting match. So they had two licenses available. One was due to a population increase and the other one was forfeited during the meeting by Triple Peaks Sports Grill up in Ogden um, because their building just burned to the ground in January and they have no idea when they'll be able to reopen. So they sort of willingly surrendered their license. Um, but the commission recommended to hold that until May. So they had two licenses and only gave out one. Okay. And did anything else of note happen at the meeting today, Stephanie? Yeah. So um, they sort of touched on, they had this uh, intense nine hour long meeting back in March where they looked at business plans from uh, uh, package agencies, most of them in rural Utah. So these are three-year contracts and it's not quite state liquor stores. So these are stores that are contracted to be package agencies for the state. So there's a bunch of these that'll be popping up in Beaver, Kanab, Lake Powell, places like that. Um, so they voted unanimously to approve all of those. So um, lots, of, uh, lots of new uh, liquor package agencies opening all over the state. Yeah, so, they, um, so some of the commissioners were saying that there needs to be a little more um, consistency in terms of the business plans going forward, even though they were like really happy to see economic uh, opportunities being introduced to rural Utah. So it seems like it'll be more competitive going forward and probably not as competitive as the bar licenses, uh, which, you know, that's just like uh, amazing <laughs> when you have two bar licenses and 16 businesses waiting for one. But uh, looks like they're going to try to make that a more um, less rubber stamp and more competitive. All right. Well, thanks so much for giving us a recap today, Stephanie. Thanks, Palak. And capping off today's episode, I wanted to talk about reporter Colby Peterson's story on the four Staley siblings. The Utah family moved to Brazil in 2003, and it was their eighth move for their father's job. Three months after, the parents were brutally attacked as they slept. The father was killed. The mother died a few days later. For the first time, the Staley siblings talked to a news organization about what happened and their determination to get justice for their family. You can read the full story at sltrib.com. That's it for today. I'll be your host for the rest of the week. A special thank you to the Tribune Joel Cardenas for producing this episode, and a big shout out to the local band The Pelicans for providing our music. <laughs>